I love how pastors. Do I have to say that all over again? I hope not. Uh, we've been dealing with stress, and uh, it seems like God gives us all sorts of illustrations of stress. And uh, uh, we got our we got our, our PowerPoint working in the, this service. First service, it didn't. It's just like a, a perfect little example of uh, of what can give us stress. All the little things that can go wrong. It's good to have our friend Jason Parberg and Nathaniel, little Nathaniel. Uh, he's not little anymore from uh, Trenton. They're playing basketball up here. It looks like some teammates uh, with him. And so good to see you, Jason. Love you, bud. Uh, And glad that you came up here today to see us. uh, But we're dealing with stress. We're dealing with the pressure cooker of life. And um, stress is natural and personal. Everybody deals with stress. Amen? Everybody has stress in their life. And and everybody deals with stress in a different way. Uh, last week I was gone. I took my own advice and, and had some rest. And so we went to Amish country, and that was real relaxing for Terry and real stressful for me, right? You know, for some people, shopping is the most, uh, is a stress releaser. For me, looking at other people's junk and trying to decide why it cost $100 uh, does not seem like a stress relief to me. Uh, we, we went to a restaurant, We are I like to call them the feeding troughs, <laughs> uh, you know, the, the buffets and and I looked and around, I said, Terry, um, look at all these old people. Then I said, oh, no, it's us. <laughs> we are the old people. And, uh, and so I've graduated to Amish country. If you've graduated to Amish country, probably raise your hand this morning. And, uh, you know, I, I miss beach vacations. Uh, so we were in Amish country. And, and then I came back, and, and I had somebody sitting in my office. And my phone was going crazy this week for whatever reason. Um, you know, all week it just buzzed and rang. Uh, constantly and we're sitting in my office and having a meeting and the phone's like vibrating on the desk and it was the, the kind of week that I had uh, you know I was busy and you know it, it, all these different stressors last night we went to a restaurant in town I am not going to name the restaurant I'm just not going to do it uh, suffice it to say there's a big boy in the front with a hamburger uh, but I'm not going to tell you what restaurant it was and we were shunned by the waitresses. You ever been ever been shunned in a in a restaurant before? You know where you're sitting in the corner and and they're all giving you this. You know they won't look at you eye to eye because if they look at you eye to eye, that means they got to help you. And so we were we were being shunned in there. And and finally, I got up to say, hey, we've been here for a while. Uh, can we get some help? And you know Terry was perfectly stress-free sitting patiently waiting, but my stress level was going up waiting. When I got up to say something, then her stress level went up because she's thinking conflict, right? And so we all face these kind of circumstances day to day where we have stress in our life and you know it's all subjective, it's all personal, it's all relative um, and those are kind of minor stressful stress clamp. Everybody watch, let's, let's, give, let's give Clint a hand, that's what we need to do, there we go. That was just an illustration of stress. Have somebody do something and had no clue how the mechanism works. Uh, but, but stress is all relative, and you know those are minor uh, examples of stress in, in our life. Uh, but but then I, I consider this congregation, and, and I realize that there's real stressors out there as well. I see Kay sitting there, and, and, and this isn't a minor. When Sarah's passed, this isn't a minor uh, waiting in a restaurant. Uh, to, to get served. This, this isn't about uh, having a, your phone ring, but this is a real ultimate issue, and there's stress involved. Uh, even this week, I, I'm thinking of a circumstance 
uh, that I'm dealing with. And, you know, when pastors say this, people always try to do that investigation of what is the issue pastors dealing with. And it, it has nothing to do with you folks. You all, you all are perfect and lovely. Uh, it has nothing to do with Terry. She's perfect and lovely. But, but, but there's a circumstance involving people that we love that is stressing us out uh, over the top. I mean, we're, we're, we're really weeping, yield. we're crying, we're brokenhearted about this circumstance, and it's real. Uh, you know, I, I, I see Mrs. J back there and, and, and dealing with health concerns. Yeah, wake her up so she knows I'm talking about her. I see Mrs. J there. That's, that's a real health circumstance. It's a real stressor. And, and, and during the lunchtime, I saw Helen here, Helen Borland, facing real issues. So, so we're facing it, and, and I look around here, and, and I see your faces, and some of you I know what you're dealing with, some of you they don't, but, but what I realize is there's real significant stress in your life, real issues. It, it's not minor, it's not the phone ringing, it's not failing to get served at a restaurant, but it's real and it's significant and it's affecting your life. We, we sang that song, Blessed Be the Name of the Lord, and when I, when I hear that song, you know, you have all these images that go through your mind. And uh, my, my grandma Moore was, Terry, I don't think you ever got to meet my grandma, was the most saintly woman I've ever met. And after she died, we, we got access to her journals. And she didn't have a lot of journals, but she had journals. And, and she wrote in one of them, she, had, she lost several babies in birth, and I've shared this at birth. And, and after she had twins die, she said, the Lord gives. So I felt like, the Lord takes away. On my heart. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That's the life we live, isn't it? When we live in this world where the Lord gives and the Lord takes away, blessed be the name of the Lord. That was just beautiful. So we're dealing with real stresses. We, we, we did a survey and finances is a stress and parenting is a stress and, and just the general busynesses of life is a stress. Caring for loved ones, for parents is a stress. Jobs. Wouldn't life be a lot easier if we didn't have jobs, right? Amen. That was a good Sunday crowd. Health problems, life transitions, decisions, relationships. Wouldn't life be easy if we didn't have any relationships? Yeah. Uh, nobody's afraid. Everybody's afraid to say amen because they're sitting by their spouses. Expectations, fears, all these things that, that give us stress. And, and I want you to know this morning, if you are dealing with trials, trouble, stress in your life, it is not an indication of sin necessarily in your life. Um, theologically, there, there are some churches, and I, you know, I don't think there's a lot, but there's some churches that teach that when you have problems in life, it's because there's something that you've done. Can, can I most assuredly tell you that the Bible that I read, the Jesus that I serve, does not demonstrate that by lifestyle? There is trouble in this world. Now, how we deal with stress, how we deal with difficult circumstances, does demonstrate our spiritual character. But the fact that you are tempted, that you are tried, that you have stress in your life has nothing to do with your spiritual condition. Jesus said this, I have told you these things so that you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. And everybody said, 
but take heart, I have overcome the world. <laughs> and so this is the, the prism. This is the scripture that, that is really the beginning, the end, the source, the center of this seven-week series talking about stress. We've used this phrase as, as we began the series, we are meant to overcome, not be overwhelmed. And I believe that's true. That, that is the truth of Jesus' scripture. We are meant to overcome, not be overwhelmed. And, and as, I, as I've ministered, pastored to you folks, and, and I know you, I know the tendency is that we almost feel overwhelmed. But Jesus gives this promise of being overcomers, not being overwhelmed by life. And, and so I want to make that promise Oh, personal. Put it on the screen. Can, can you say this with me? I will overcome, not be overwhelmed. This week, as you're going through stress, I, I want you to remember that promise. This is the promise that Jesus gave you, and, and I want you to live to that promise. I, I want you to live as someone who is overcoming, not being overwhelmed. Now, this doesn't just happen. We, we don't just will this. We don't just set our face. We, we don't just decide that I am going to overcome, not be overwhelmed. It, we don't just change our attitudes. Uh, but, but this takes some intentional and practical habits. You know, the point is not to eliminate all trials, not all, all trouble from our life. In fact, trials and trouble can be a source of building our faith. And sometimes God uses these difficult circumstances... Every time, if we allow him, God uses these difficult circumstances to refine and define our character and grow us more into the image of Jesus Christ. And so the point of life is not to, not, not that we, we run to trouble, but, but we don't run from trouble other, either. We, but, but we live in that with an understanding that God can take our amazing God can take any circumstance you're going through and use it for your good, and His glory. <laughs> Only God can do that. I can't do that. You can't do that. But God can do that. <laughs> and so we need to deal with stress. We need to not just um, ignore it, but, but we need to, to deal with it. We, we, we should manage our stress, not be managed by stress. In other words, instead of letting circumstances overwhelm us, we live in a way that, that we are in control, to a degree, of the stress that we face. Now, we're dealing with seven principles. In the, in the first week, we talked about the temple principle, uh, and, and that, that is our physical bodies matter. And, and we talked about all those things that we should do, that we can do, that can help us deal with stress. That, the, and we began with that principle because I believe some of you are so tired, you're, you're so worn out that physically you're not in the place of hearing from God because of what we're doing with our physical body. We're running so much that it's very difficult for God to speak into our circumstances. Now, the, the next week we talked about, and Pastor Christian, it's, it's a blessing uh, to, to have associate staff like I have. I have been blessed with the greatest associate staff in history, both at Trenton and now here. And, and I'm so privileged that I can be gone and Pastor Christie can preach. And I know that we're in great hands. And she talked about the wisdom principle. And logically, the wisdom principle is the primary principle. That's where it begins. But we began with the physical principle because I believe some of you are in so tired, so busy, so worn out that you don't even have space for God to speak into your life. 
The great thing about our God, <laughs> he meets us where we are. And so God sees where you are, and, and God wants to meet you where you are. And the wisdom principle is this. God is the only way we can fully overcome. Now, most of these principles... I believe have application and use even in the life of a person who is not a believer. I believe physically, if you take care of your body, you will be able to deal with the pressures and stress of life better. Uh, this week we're going to talk about the gratitude principle, the principle of being thankful. I, I believe that, that even if you have no spiritual belief, even if you are not a believer in Jesus Christ, even if you are not a Christian, to be grateful, to have thanksgiving as part of your life will help you relieve stress. You know why? <laughs> because our God is so overwhelming in His grace. This is a good thing, and God even pours blessings on people who do not believe in Him. <laughs> Jesus says, God causes the sun to shine and the rain to fall on the evil and the good. In other words, God blesses you because that is the nature of our God. Now, now this is in my notes, and, and maybe you're just trying to figure out who this God is and, and why you should, um, you should seek Him. This is a God whose nature is to bless and where you see uh, your failures and you see a God that wants to smack you down, it can't be further from the truth. Jesus died so that you can have relationship with this God. He loves you that much right where you are. I don't know, it just sounds like the kind of God I'd like to pursue. What about you? <laughs> so the wisdom principle is God is the only way we can fully overcome. And, and so we, we, we recognize that, that it's, it's God's grace that, that, that allows us to get through the circumstances of life, the ultimate issues of life. You know, I, I see Kay there, and I, I think with Sarah, to, to get through this loss of Sarah, uh, physically you can do all the right things, you can be thankful, but ultimately it comes down to that thing that we perceive death in a different way, that for Sarah to be absent from the body is to be present from the Lord, and that we can find hope even in these ultimate issues. You realize everybody in this room faces that ultimate issue, right? <laughs> that, that none of us live beyond that, but we all come to this point where we have to face our mortality and, and we have to, to stand before the throne, we have to stand before God, and really all that matters is what we do with Him. That's free preaching. That's not even part of the sermon. You guys can tuck that in your pocket, no charge for that. God is the only answer the ultimate issues of life. For the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. Uh, the fear of the Lord, the, the reverence of God, the seeking of God, that, that God is the center of all these ultimate issues of life that we face. And, and as a preacher of the gospel, I'd be fooling you. I, I would not be giving you the whole truth if I said, oh, you can do all these things and everything will be okay. No, folks, ultimately it all comes back to what will you do with God? The wisdom principle means we orient ourselves in God. In other words, everything we go through, all, all the life stresses, all the life problems, all the things that we face, we find our meaning, our significance, our purpose, our way through in God. All of the principles, ultimately, the physical principle, the gratitude principle are helpful apart from God. I believe that because God blesses people just because God blesses 
But ultimately, all of these principles, the physical principle, the temple principle, and the gratitude principle are principles that guide us towards this orientation towards God. That, that ultimately, as believers, it comes to the point where, where we see our body as the temple, we are fearfully and wonderfully made, that, that the Holy Spirit is to indwell us, that we are to honor our bodies and use our bodies properly so, so that we can find our meaning, our life in Christ. We can hear from Him. We, we express gratitude, and the ultimate goal of gratitude is not just that we, we feel better about ourselves, that we have a better understanding of God. So, so the gratitude principle is this, the practice of giving thanks. Now, now, when I say the practice of giving thanks, I'm not, I'm not just simply talking about a thankful attitude. I'm not just talking about um, just being, having a different attitude. But the practice of giving thanks is a practice that we, 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 we do. It's, it's a habit. It's, it's something that we engaged in. Engage in. Now, I'm going, to, I'm going to do a test for us first, okay? And I want you to think about this question. What or who, don't look around you, was your biggest stressor last week? Raise your hand when you've already thought of that, okay? Let me ask you the next question. What or who <laughs> were you most thankful for last week? Raise your hand when you thought of that. Let me ask you, and just be honest, which question was easier to answer? For most of us, maybe some of you the second, but almost the majority of us, we see problems before we see solutions. We see the stresses before we see the blessings. We see where we're having issues before we see how God is moving. There's almost a natural bent, a natural inclination in most people to see the problems before you see the solutions. I remember several years ago, I was at a softball game and there was a guy playing in the outfield and now, I was a teenager, and, and this phrase has always stuck with me. He was complaining, and the, um, one of the guys from our church said this, ah, oh, he had complained about having nothing to complain about. <laughs> anybody know anybody like, don't look around you? I, I know, you know, I have the temptation here. You know, there, there's, there's people, and, and, and sometimes those people are me, <laughs> that it's so easy to dwell on negative things that, that, that that's the only thing that, we can see, and it's natural. And, and what I'm suggesting is that the gratitude principle is a habit that shifts the patterns of thinking. It's not simply a, a perspective, but it's a, it's a practice that shapes perspective. And, and this is a, a way I've always phrased Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is an action that affects our attitude. It's not about being, having a thankful attitude, but it's about practicing giving thanks. I'm not saying be more thankful. I'm saying give thanks. Particularly thanks, particular thanks on particular things. Now, giving thanks affects your brain and body in positive ways. And I posted on Facebook this week an article from Psychology Today. 
You know, th- th- this is a secular look at giving thanks, and, and even secular scientific studies will say that if you give thanks, if you are in the practice of giving thanks, blood flows in your brain in a different way. That different neurons fire in your brain and, and you ha- it has an effect on you physically and mentally. That, that somehow, just by giving thanks, it, it changes your mind, your brain. And I posted that on Facebook. If you don't have Facebook, there, there's several copies of the article uh, out on the foyer table. I, I always, when I, when I talk about these scientific things, I talk about my psychologist cousin, Patty. And so I sent it to her and say, hey, is this right? She said, that's right. Right, Patty? Yep. yep thank you. <laughs> and talked about some other studies that showed that, that the practice, the habits of Thanksgiving changes. It, it fundamentally changes how you think. If you're prone to negativity, if you're prone to to being a half-class, empty person, if you're prone to that, practice that this week and see see if your thinking doesn't change. See if somehow physically, spiritually, you don't begin to see things in a different way. For, For followers of Jesus, giving thanks is a primary orienting practice. I would probably, and I hesitate to, to speak in, in absolutes, I do. I would probably say this is the primary orienting practice. I have found in my life that the practice of giving thanks is a primary orienting practice towards Jesus Christ. Now, 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ." Jesus. In other words, in every circumstance you find yourself in, give thanks. Now, now giving thanks is not ignoring our circumstances. That this is not somehow being Pollyanna, that, that everything's fine and everything's dandy. It's not ignoring that your, your right arm has been lopped off and, and blood is gushing out and saying, well, I still have my left arm, okay? It's not ignoring the circumstances of life. Giving thanks is not simply comparing our circumstances to others. In other words, to to be effectively giving thanks, it's not just, well, you know, everything stinks, but at least I live in a better house than my neighbor, right? Giving thanks is recognizing the good things in your life. In other words, just, just taking a... A mental, I think it's helpful to write these things down, an inventory of all the good things in your life. Now, how does that help us spiritually? James writes, every good and perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the Father of heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. In other words, James says, I want you to to recognize that every good thing that you have in your life has come from the hand of your Heavenly Father. Um, Think about it. Close your eyes. Think about the best three things in your life. Some of you would say family, faith, friends, job, home, people that love me, (laughs) you know, church, All these things that you would say are the best things in your life, they have come from your Father above. And the truth of this promise is this, that these gifts, 
have come to you whether you have honored God by serving him or not. <laughs> I don't know. I just, can't, I just can't get over that. You know, I think about my boys. I, I have three boys. And Spencer is the most awesome of them since he's here this morning. Yeah. <laughs> I have three boys. And you know what? S- sometimes, most of the time, they're pretty pleasing to us. Every once in a while, they're not. You know, when they're not, I still love them, and I still give them good gifts. You have a father. What's the word? He knows your name. I love the good, good father song that we sing. You know, good, good father. That's who he is. And we're loved by him. And that's who we are. We are the ones that are loved by God. So God pours blessing, and, and, and when we give thanks, we, we recognize that, that God is the source. We should recognize that God is the source of those blessings. So as we give thanks, we're able to see where God is present and moving in every circumstance. Thanksgiving, giving thanks, is a habit, a perspective that allows you to see God at work in the darkest parts of your life. During your worst days, God is still present and still blessing and still giving and still loving. Now, King David, the psalmist David, the shepherd David, is an example of giving thanks in the midst of extremely stressful circumstances. David has all sorts of hats he wears throughout his life that, that demonstrate stress. David is a shepherd, and, you know, we think of a, you know, a rolling meadow, a grassy field, and peaceful sheep, you know, and it just kind of looks like relaxing. But, but think about that in the midst of the night. <laughs> think about that in a field with however many sheep and a storm and lightning strikes. Think about that when, when animals are trying to, to, to take the animals, to take the, the sheep. Think about that when one has went astray and you're responsible uh, being a shepherd would have been a very stressful job. And then, then we see David, the warrior. David, the, 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 the one who goes to battle against Goliath and others. And he, he's this warrior and the stress that's involved as a warrior. But we see David, the king. And uh, leadership isn't easy, right? <laughs> right? If you lead in any capacity, leadership's stressful and and, and, you know, he has good days and bad days as a king. You, you see, David the pursued. Two, two, two times in David's life, he is being pursued. The first time by King Saul. And David's done nothing wrong. And yet Saul pursues him and accuses him of wrongdoing. Have you ever been falsely accused? Wrongly accused? The stress involved there? And then the second time David is pursued by his own son, Absalom. Now, Absalom's sin and Absalom's pursuit of David is all rooted in this sin with Bathsheba, the sin of adultery and murder that David committed. And as I talk about stress, you realize sometimes in our life our stress is self-inflicted, right? That David had stress in his life because of sin, and, and maybe you're dealing with that too. And, and, and the answer is confession and repentance. Repentance is to turn from one direction and go the other direction. In other words, it's to confess and say, I'm sorry, and then change behavior. 
We don't believe, I don't believe, that, that God sent His Son Jesus to die on a cross and raised Him from the dead so that we can live in the same sins over and over. I believe God wants to save us from that. The power of the resurrection can be at work in our life. And so there's this, there's this part of us that we have stress because of sin. And, and I think the example of David teaches us that we need to lift ourselves out of that through the power of Jesus Christ. Not, not that you don't you eliminate the, you still have the residual effects of, of sin, and you still, but I believe God can lift us from behaviors that's caused distress. So David's pursued. We, we have family conflict. We have marriage problem, problems. He's, he's, his father-in-law, Saul, and his father-in-law wants to kill him. I've experienced that. I think my father-in-law's wanted to kill me before. He's not throwing any spears at me. All these things are, are going on in David's life. And the Psalms... Our reality worship. Pastor Joe posted uh, last week an article from um, Eugene Peterson had an interview with Bono. Who, who's Bono? U2. Okay, you guys aren't so holy to know who U2 is. That's fine. <laughs> Bono's the, the lead singer from U2, and there's some people think Bono's great, some people don't. I, it, that's neither here nor there. But he talks about worship songs, and he said, you know, I wish that some people would write worship songs that were rooted in reality. In other words, that, that would talk about broken relationships and praise regardless. And it got me thinking about this place. We want to be rooted in reality, right? <laughs> I'm coming down because I want you to hear my heart here. I believe the church has to be a place where we can be broken before each other doesn't work otherwise and yet I'm concerned that most of the time the church becomes that place where we put on a mask that that you know we can't talk about being broken we can't talk about failing you know I'm not saying oh every Sunday we need to have everybody come up to the front and confess their sins but there needs to be someone some group in this church that when you sin when you fell, when life's not pretty, you can show them the ugliness of life and have people gather around you and pray. We live in a world that is hungry for such a place. A place where people can be real. David was real. D David would express these doubts to God. Why won't you listen to me? Where are you, God? This isn't fair, God. Life's not fair. And, and David would express these things in what we call Scripture. You know, I, I think, and this isn't David, but it's a psalm. And there's a psalm that's written when they're in Babylonian captivity. And in the midst of this Babylonian captivity, the anguish of their heart, the psalmist cries out, God, why don't you bash all their babies' brains on the rocks? That's in the Bible. 
And we can sanitize that and we can make that holy. And somehow we can say, well, that's a ho-. it wasn't a holy thought at all. They were just expressing where they were in their heart and mind. They were, that was ugly. Amen? <laughs> and the Psalms reflect that. There, there's times that David is just raw. And I like that because there's times that I feel raw, right? Anybody ever have an experience where it just feels like, where are you, God? You can't be in this circumstance. Psalm 59 is one of those psalms, and you know, David's being pursued by Saul, and he's, you know, Saul's trying to kill him, he's not done anything. And David's expressing these kind of thoughts, this, this reality worship, this, this raw, unmasked, unfettered look at his heart where he feels betrayed by everybody. And then he gets to the end of it. And David says this. This is the pattern of his psalms, by the way. But I will sing of your strength. In the morning I will sing of your love. For you are my fortress, my refuge in times of trouble. Oh, my strength, I sing praise to you. You, oh God, are my fortress, my loving God. You ever wonder why David did it that way? Maybe God just implanted that on his heart. So he gave us a good pattern. Or or maybe at some point in his life somebody said, You know, David, when you're down, you need to count your blessings. (laughs) Maybe Samuel, maybe maybe his dad. Somebody told him... It's David at some point, and, and somewhere was implanting with him in this ideal where life is ugly, when life is hard, there needs to come a place where you could just begin to expound on the worship and the blessings and the praise of God. We've got a video we're going to play of, of someone that expresses that as well. Um, I love how Pastor's sermon has been so far with, um, in this world you will have trouble. Um, I think that's true, and... Um, I love all the principles and how they're all tying together and how they're all interconnected and we can't just have, you know, just our our temple without also realizing we need to rest. Um, In my own life, there have been many times where um, things have happened to me, unspeakable things that were inscribed on my heart. Um, So, and some of that carried from my childhood all the way up to adulthood and some things like abuse, betrayal, deceit, um, just coupled with my own sinful nature. Um, So what was inscribed on my heart as a result is things like worthless, used, not treasured. Um, But I love the rest of that verse where it says, but take heart, he's overcome the world. Um, At the end of 2013, I suffered another just devastating loss. And um, so my friend asked me if, if I would be a part of her healing care group. And I was so appreciative because I felt like I really needed healing. Um, so one of the experientials that we had to do for that was um, we had to come up with a safe, pla- safe place. And that's um, um, basically you're just trying to find a place and God is going to come and speak to you while you're in your safe place. And at first I was a little bit trepidatious. I didn't know what that was going to look like. I didn't know, you know, it seemed a little bit uncertain to me, like what I was 
um, going to do with that. And so immediately in my mind, I started thinking, my safe place is nature. I love to be outside. Um, and so I imagined in my mind a little tiny cabin in the woods, and it was um, very peaceful. And there's towering pines, and there's a very still lake. But in the back of my mind was this image of a cathedral. Um, and I couldn't shake that image. And so I decided my safe place would be a cathedral. I've always felt safe in church. It just feels safe and calm and comfortable. Um, and there's worship and there's gratitude that takes place. Um, so I went and I was, um, so I went with the cathedral image. And so what we had to do was close our eyes and imagine what we saw, what we felt, um, what time of day it was, what temperature it was. And so I imagined in my mind of, um, that it was the very still morning and I was sitting in this enormous cathedral, Gothic cathedral, all by myself. And there, you know, the birds are singing outside and the sun is just starting to peek through. And at the very front of the cathedral, there's this enormous stained glass window and the sun is just sort of streaming down to the floor. And there's a um, kaleidoscope of colors on the floor. And so next we had to imagine, um, where is Jesus in this picture? And immediately, without thinking about it, I could feel that he was on my left side. I could just glimpse him there. And we're both just staring up at the, the beautiful glass window. And then the next part of the experiential we had to think about what, what is Jesus saying to you? What is he speaking into your past? What is he saying to your pain? And without even thinking, it was just almost unbelievable, with, without even realizing what I was thinking, the tears just started to stream down my face. And I could hear him say, do you see this beautiful cathedral, Nancy? I said, yes, yes, it's stunning. It's, it's just absolutely breathtaking. And he said to me, this was made by man, but I made you. And um, that just really healed some tremendously dark places in my life. Um, and when I thought about, I, I studied art history in college, and when I thought about that, and I thought about how many master craftsmen it takes to build a cathedral. It has to be perfect or the whole thing's gonna fall down. And they didn't have power tools. So you have master masons and stone cutters and sculptors and glass makers and just everything building this towering, towering structure all for the glory of God. And it was just absolute, absolutely astounding to me. Um, most cathedrals take between 100 and 150 years to build, so most of the artisans do not get to see this grand structure made within their lifetimes. Um, the other thing that I recently came across that I'd forgotten completely about is that cathedrals are built in the shape of a cross. So you have the nave, which is where I was sitting in my imagination, and then there's like a cross section, and then there's the narthex, which is where the, the glass window is. And so I thought about that, and I thought about how powerful that was, that my safe place was in the cross. Um, 
So on that day, I felt like he inscribed on my heart. He kind of erased those other things. He inscribed on my heart, dearly loved, chosen, um, his masterpiece. And that was just beautiful. So I've always been a gracious, grateful person, um, but this just kind of exponentially amplified um, that in my life to a point where I just couldn't help but see his glory everywhere I went. It realigned my focus to realize that all his works are good. And so when I feel that, that deep sadness start to settle and start to suffocate um, and start to rest, I think of, to myself, Nancy, you've been in the dark before. You know your way out. He's with you, even in the dark. Um, and so gratitude and worship has completely transformed my life. That's, that's how I get out from underneath that darkness. And if I could turn my face to my Father in worship and praise, um, I can immediately feel his safe and know that I'm, feel his presence and know that I'm safe. So I just feel like he woos me daily with his with like beautiful works of art, with great scores of music, with my children's faces when they're sleeping, um, with the ocean as it swells and crashes and he's everywhere and he's wooing me and he's wooing you too. Sharing with us? Am I on? Hello? All right, there we go. Uh, did you like the first version? That was the uh, Japanese uh, horror movie sci-fi where the mouth's different than the uh, uh, that we thought we'd try it two different ways, and, and uh, no, that's just uh, some technical issues that every once in a while we experience. I heard uh, Mike Dennis used to say, if you don't like organized church, come to our church. We're as disorganized as it gets, and sometimes I feel like that. But uh, um, how do we practice this principle? How do we practice the gratitude principle? And it's uh, it, how do we develop the habit of intentionally expressing Thanks, and, and, and I think it's a habit that's born not in the, the difficult times of life, but it's a habit that's born in just the routine of life. If, if we want to pe be people who give thanks in every circumstance, we, we need to learn how to give thanks in the best and the easy and the normal circumstances of life. And, 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 and even by journaling during the times when things are going a lot smoother, sometimes those journals are helpful to us as we begin to reflect back when life may be a little bit less structured and positive. Um, think about who you're allowing to influence the way you think. Uh, th think about those people that you surround yourself with. Are, are they negative in their attitudes or are they positive in your at their attitudes? It, it makes a difference. And, and think about yourself as well. Those people that, that you help orient it the way they think. Do, do you do you give negative or positive influence to the way they perceive life. Uh, it's, it's possible, and I'm not going to ask you to raise hands, because <laughs> all of us this. you ever have that friend that just, for whatever reason, uh, when you put you two together, it's easier to see the negative parts of life than the positive parts of life, right? 
Uh, there's people like that, that in your life that, that for whatever reason, they draw the negative and you draw the negative from them. So, so pay attention to the people that you are allowing to influence the way that you think about life. And then I want to close with a scripture today. This is Philippians 4.8. This is the Apostle Paul writing. He says, Finally, brothers, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about the such things. And does anybody have a bulletin that I could have? Anybody got their bulletin? Okay. In your bulletin this week, you have homework. Say, praise the Lord for homework, Right? Uh, th- this is something I want you to practice outside this morning. And, and it's a simple guide to giving thanks. Uh, th- there's all sorts of scriptures we could use for a guide. But, but this is, I-, I thought Philippians 4, 8 was a-, a pretty good thing to use. In my life, what is true and or real? In my life, what is honorable? In my life, what is right? In my life, what is pure? In my life, what is lovely and or pleasing? In my life, what is admirable and or worthy of praise? In my life, what is excellent and or wonderful? And so I want you sometime this week, uh, we, we have them in the bulletin. We also have several, there's several out on the foyer table if you don't have a bulletin. Uh, we'll probably, do we post the bulletin? Does this get posted on, online? So this will be online tomorrow as well. And so if you want to, to, to wait until you can get it and do it on your computer, that's fine. But, but I encourage everyone this week to take some time to make a list of things that they're thankful for. Um, I believe it will make a difference. Stand with me if you will. Who gave me this? Oh. I want us all to call one thing out before we go, that we're thankful for. On the count of three, one, two, three. Just one thing you're thankful for. One, two, three. Terry. Right? That's good. Does anybody say something? If somebody didn't say something around you, I want you to ask them later privately what they're thankful for. Okay, let's pray. Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for all you give us. Thank you for this this patient congregation who's uh, been here through the service, Lord. I pray that you'll bless them and use them. Keep them, Lord. May we have attitudes that are in tune with you, Lord, that we orient ourselves towards you and for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless.